Welcome to the Recover Together podcast brought to you by Seven Oaks District Council. The aim of the podcast is to highlight the challenges faced by both businesses and the voluntary sector, especially in the midst of the COVID-19 pandemic and how some of these challenges might be overcome. So as you listen, in each podcast, you'll hear from different businesses and a voluntary sector organisation, and they'll each be discussing their circumstances. Not all of it will be relevant to you, but the aim is that something is from what is shared. Though the plan is for the podcast to be informal. Uh, be mindful, though, that the goal is to share, spark thought and ideally encourage some collaboration if collaboration is possible. As to me, my name is Chris Murphy. I'll be your host. My day job is as the speaking mentor where I help people giving more engaging and effective presentations. But my role here is to host the podcast and make it easy for our guests. And maybe think of me as like the landlord in your local pub, hosting an interesting alcohol-free fueled informative chat. So with that in mind, who are our guests this week? Well, this week, I'm delighted to be joined by Stephen Elsden and Brant McNaughton. So I will let each of them say hello. So hello, Stephen. Hello there, Chris. Nice to see you. Likewise. Thank you very much. And Brant, hello to you. Good afternoon, Chris. How are you doing? I'm very well. Thank you very much. I'm just standing Good. here behind the bar with a glass in my hand, which I will now raise to Stephen and ask him just to give us a little bit of information about yourself, Stephen. What is it that you do? So I'm Stephen Elston. I run a charity called Compaid. Compaid is a charity that works with disabled and older people in Seven Oak, more broadly into West Kent and indeed in other parts of Kent and surrounding counties. The charity provides computer skills training for disabled adults and older people. And we also have quite a large community transport arm. So a lot of listeners might have seen Compaid buses on the roads mm. and they'll be taking disabled adults and children and older people on essential journeys. So shopping trips, day centres, school runs, outings with family and friends, all, all sorts of things. So I've been running Compaid for nearly 12 years now. Oh. And before Compaid, I, I, I had some senior management positions in some big national charities, uh, British Red Cross and Leonard Cheshire, to name a couple. So I've been in the charity sector for the best part of 30 years now. Okay, cool. Uh, well, I, I don't look some... it, but uh, but uh, but it is that long. <laughs> <laughs> that everyone listening will just have to take your word for it. Sorry. <laughs> How about yourself, there, Brent? Uh, hi, my name is Brent McNaughton. I'm the managing director and founder of a web development studio based in Oxford called Eki. We've been going 20 years. We uh, have a wide section of clients, local and international. We work with some charities. We work with blue chip agents, uh, blue chip companies uh, and the NHS. As I said, we've been doing this 20 years, local, local team, local guys. I, I, just before we came on, on the recording, Brant was just sharing that Eki means look in Latin, which is very meta. We, we, we enjoy that. And that's my, my thing to tick off today. Just being a little more serious, perhaps, is the, the reason for the podcast coming together is to think about collaboration and going forward. And part of that is about learning from each other. I thought what we'd kick off is just find out some of the problems that each of you have faced uh, within your, your sector. Stephen, if you just wanted to kick us off. Yeah, well, it, it's been an interesting time. Well, it's been an interesting time for everybody, but we had an initial issue because we provide frontline direct services. So people to people services, it's going to be a staff member or volunteer sat with an individual to help them learn how to use computers or a driver in a bus with a group of people on the bus going on a journey. Clearly, once COVID and lockdown came in, those sorts of things weren't really possible in the way that, that, that we previously delivered them. But what I was really struck by in the first few weeks, really, was the resourcefulness and the flexibility of our staff and volunteers, who very, very quickly 
moved into changing their, their, the profile of their delivery. So on the skills training, all of our skills training moved online. So supporting people remotely, maybe through Zoom calls or other um, technology to actually get, reach people in their own homes because most of our um, clients, our service users were, were in the shielding category at home. Mm. And on our transport side, while we still had some people who were traveling on buses, but obviously that's on social distancing, our drivers were calling up regular passengers who weren't traveling, who might have been shielding at home saying, you know, how are you? Is there anything you actually need? And our drivers were going out, getting bits of shopping and medicine and delivering it to, to uh, the client's houses. So, you know, just doing whatever was needed really to support the people who were in our catchment area. And before lockdown, we were supporting, we still are supporting about 1800 people. So that's a lot of individuals wow. who are, before COVID, were very isolated. They, if they were struggling to, to learn how to use computers, they were very digitally excluded. And one of the challenges, I think, um, for, for COVID and post-COVID is that, that it's really accelerated the digital divide. It's widened the digital divide because where there were still some face-to-face um, -face opportunities for people who didn't like to use computers or there were phone numbers you could ring. If you try and ring most uh, public, uh, public organisation phone numbers, you won't get anybody on the phone. You certainly can't pop into a, into a gateway or a, a community hub to, to ask for help. You've got to go online. If you can't do that, then you're absolutely stuck. You know, it's interesting you talk about collaboration because we, I've been really uh, taken back by how many other organisations have approached me and Compaid over the last six months to say, we really need some of what you guys are offering. How can oh. we get involved? How can you help us? And at the moment, it's about looking at our capacity to actually meet that increased demand. That's, that's, that's quite a challenge, but it's a nice challenge to have. There are two things that spring to mind from what you just said there. One, the people that were most at risk of not engaging digitally before are almost more at risk now. Mm -hmm. And then another group you're still able to serve because they can access you digitally and, and access the training that you'd provide. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, if you, th if you think about what, you know, everybody in this country, certainly probably March, April, May, was spending a lot more, more time in, in, at home and they were getting entertainment from TV, YouTube, wherever it was. And, you know, I know my own mental health was better because I was able mm -hmm. to access comedy podcasts and all sorts of things made me laugh when, you know, dreadful things are happening outside. If you haven't got access to that digital entertainment, mm -hmm. that was another uh, channel to relieve your mental health issues, to relieve the pressure and the stress that you're feeling, that people were, were being excluded. So it wasn't just the sort of access to services, but it's the, the, the fun, it's the, it's the life within living rather than the sort of the day-to-day, -day, you have to do this within living. Stephen, so is this a generational gap particularly? I mean, are the older people struggling with new technology, being somewhat isolated uh, because they don't have iPads or, or smartphones? I mean, digital TV now, you've got to have a digital television. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it certainly is more prevalent among older people. I mean, over 75, something like, I think the government statistics say about 50% of over 75s who are, who are not disabled haven't used the internet or can't use the internet. And about 70% of over 75s who are disabled haven't used the internet. So the older you are, the more likely you are to have never had the familiarity. I guess one of the benefits of, of lockdown was that older people were finding that they were sheltering in homes with their younger families is because obviously that sort of household bubbles were created at very early, early stage right. so for a while there actually have have been in some cases younger people on on hand who could help 
an older person to get online and, and learn how to do it. So it's not, not a completely bleak picture, but obviously as, as societies slowly move back to, to, to a bit of normality really from, from, from August, those support networks that, that were sort of household support networks have started mm-hmm. to fall away because furloughed staff have gone back to work or people have, kids have gone back to school. So now people are more isolated again. And, and if they haven't learned enough through lockdown from people that could help them, they're, 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 they're stuck digitally excluded yet again. Mm. That's, I'd be interested to come back to that in a second, just with regards to the, the knock-on effects of the skills that perhaps have been learnt by some of those people that were in those bubbles, which now has hopefully provided them with a bit more freedom. I'd be interested to hear about your experience of that. But just coming to you, Brent, what, how about yourself? What, what's been the, the real humdingers for you over the last six months? Well, we've been relatively lucky, I guess, being a digital, a digital business, that our guys have managed to be able to work from home and remotely and most of our clients, none of our clients were in the hospitality uh, or travel sectors. So our clients weren't affected. I've got friends who run other agencies whose turnover has been decimated because of the, obviously these people aren't advertising, they aren't doing work. So it's been challenging for them, but we've been lucky that we've got a team, I've got a great team of guys that have managed to work from home. We closed down on the 13th of March, packed up all our stuff and moved home. It's been challenging for them because some of them live on their own. So we have regular check-ins, make sure everyone's okay. Not just with the, not just with with client stuff, but just to check, see how they are. Quick finger on the pulse to make sure they're okay. Productivity has been pretty good. The guys work really well. Uh, just the nature of nature of the work we do that it's easier to focus without any distractions. Uh, I'm probably the biggest distraction. So them being, <laughs> them being away from me is probably a good thing. Productivity's gone up. <laughs> yeah, phenomenally. So, but uh, it's just now that we're sort of eking back into the office one day a week. I think it's important that we get together as a team every once in a while, just to just to face to face. I mean, I, I was away in February and March. I was actually in New Zealand, came back, arrived back to this. Mm. And so I hadn't seen any of the guys since the middle of February. So three weeks ago, we came back to the office and we've got quite a good company culture we've built over the last 20 years where mm. on a Friday, we spend time on our own projects rather than client projects. or we spend time trying out new technologies and at a barbecue and a few beers. And it's just a bit of downtime and just mm. to sort of cement this, this, those relationships I've got with these guys. And so I've missed that. And so it's, and, and a lot of these guys have said, I'm living behind. They, they haven't been out. They hadn't, I mean, for, they haven't got any local friends or family or something like that. So I think that's, that's the toughest thing for them. And I think just from the, the notes I've made down here, it's from talking to other businesses. Some of them, it's been that, as you mentioned, that revenue hit, whereas you haven't had that. And in terms of logistics, that sounds like it's been not too difficult for you. But that morale aspect, that, that morale yeah. and the social aspect of the team. And is that the reason for coming back to the office? Because one could argue, well, why bother if it all works why do you need an office i think people do need some face-to-face interaction some clients have asked to meet up again face-to-face i think people though some people are very introverted and don't need any humor action interaction the guys they're great on on screen but there's nothing nothing replaces sort of yeah. face-to-face it's just like when my, my family's in new zealand then i can zoom them every day but it's not it's so much better to be there in person so i think you know once a week is sort of instilling a little sense of normality in, into the guys and to uh, our work processes and stuff. And, you know, I mean, I'm coming into the office a little bit more often, but I mean, it's down to them. I mean, Fridays, I encourage everyone because we sit down and 
mm. decompress, talk about what's going on, talk about work, talk about themselves, just, you know. Mm. And again, if, if productivity isn't expected on a Friday, that's a good time to talk to you then. Is that nothing ever gets from what you said? Friday, <laughs> it's an interesting challenge, I think, because you you know we're we're both running uh, organisations. I mean, even though Compaid is a ch is a charity, it's quite a complex mm. organisation. Mm. We've got fifty staff, forty mm. volunteers. So um, you know, one of the things that is developing that sort of leadership muscle of, of leadership in, uh, in, in remotely, really. You know, that that's something that I found a big learning curve this year. Because, uh, mm. you know, I've valued sort of building up my leadership skills face to face with, with teams, you know, and now you've got to do so much of that remotely. One of the things that I've in, reintroduced is a regular sort of roughly sort of four or three or every three or four weeks, I send a, 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 an emailed update to everybody in the organization. I mean, I have regular sort of monthly, sorry, weekly Zoom calls now with my mm. management team, but everybody in the organization now gets an update from me on a regular basis. A few years ago, nobody was reading it, you know, because they were seeing people all the time and I was getting yeah, no feedback. Yeah. And now I'm sending it out. I regularly get feedback from the, you know, the updates I send out. And it's interesting because people are more open to that. And also when we had lockdown, one of our team, and she's still doing this, actually did a weekly sort of um, being at home support newsletter, just with little jokes and uh, YouTube clips uh, or, or, you know, links and, and ideas that people could do at home. There was nothing in it really to sort of sell compaid. It was more about what's another tool to support the people that, that are at home. We actually, and some of them still are, we actually furloughed about 40% of our paid staff. I was going to ask. So, and some of those are still on furlough. So uh, the last of those won't be coming back to work until November. They will have been off, off work, I think that's seven, seven months. Mm. So, uh, and, you know, I'm talking to those people. It's desperately hard for them to, to, to uh, has been over that, that period. They've been champing at the bit to come back to work, but either mm. they've had health conditions or they've been of a, an age where it's not been safe for them to do so. Mm. Or we just genuinely have not had the work for them to do because a lot of our transport work has fallen off because we're not doing those trips to day centres because the day centres aren't open you know so some of those mm. drivers have been furloughed and now readjusting them to get back to work not just mm. about uh, you know there is that adjustment about people who've been working virtually working back in an office but for people who just haven't been working for several months to come back yeah. to actually doing the job mm. they were they mm. took for granted it is going to be a challenge and it's going to be hard for all of us i think how have you managed from a financial perspective with regards to furloughing obviously brant has said you know revenue has continued to come in how about yourself Stephen? where, where does your funding come from how's how have you managed that we have we have mixed funding so about 20 percent of our income we, we turn over in an average year just over a million pounds and about 20 20 percent of our uh, income comes from voluntary income so fundraise money and the rest of our money comes from earned income from the services that we provide whether it's the skills training or the transport so we have some contracts we've got some contracts with kent county council They've honoured those contracts. That's transport mm. contracts. Okay. We've continued to run those services, but obviously there's been fewer passengers, but they've yep. honoured the, the costs there because most of the costs have been there. Um, the furlough scheme, while for the first few months of it, was pretty much um, covering what we were losing in our operating income. Because mm -hmm. um, we were losing, we have been losing about £25,000 a, a month on, on our operating income. And then on the fundraising side, um, we're fortunate there have been some emergency COVID funds that we've applied for and we've been successful with. Mm. So, uh, 
um, the likes of Kent Community Foundation have been really good at sort of offering um, their own funds and also um, promoting other, other, other funding streams. So we have managed to secure enough funding to certainly get through, we think now, to the end of this financial year. But that's really predicated on things returning pretty much to normal by April next year. And I'm not clear at the moment whether, how likely that is, whether mm -hmm. our normal sort of charitable businesses will be back to, to their normal operating lines. And also whether the, the way most of our voluntary income comes from trusts and foundations, so grant making charities in their own right. They've been obviously given a lot of money um, in emergency grants to charities that have needed it, but they've been drawing down their endowments and their investments. So when we get into the next financial year, I'm not sure how much money and, and, mm. and sources of revenue those grant making trusts will have to still support the regular charities who've relied on them. So that's something that I'm starting to look at. It's very difficult because planning is just, oh, it's, it's such a headache because you don't know from one week to the next or one month to the next what the lockdown measures are going to be, what the government yeah. will say. Um, so actually projections are really, really hard. And I'm a very keen planner. I like to plan things out. I know mm. I need to have a, a nice sort of boiled down strategy. It doesn't mean I can't be flexible and I can't sort of roll with the punches. I can, mm. but I've got a board of trustees that are saying, well, how, how likely is it, is, is, is it that this is going to happen and we're going to achieve that target? Well, I can't give them any assurance about mm. that at the moment because I, I, nobody knows, do they? So being mindful that, there are many challenges how have you kind of negotiated this and how kind of are you going to negotiate this going forward in terms of managing this amount of change and managing the uncertainty from your perspective brand how, how do you see the future what do you see as the main challenges for you the challenges for us i mean we, we, although we were in we were still earning income over the past five months or whatever i mean pipeline's been thin uh, because of COVID and because of Brexit, uh, capital expenditure and investment in digital technologies and stuff isn't going full steam ahead. People don't know what's, I mean, this is a challenge as well. We've actually had to make a couple of, had, we lost a couple of guys uh, through okay. redundancies. I think, and I think it's all very good at looking out the window and seeing what's going on outside, but I think you've just got to steer the ship and, and make sure that, you know, I'm here for my guys and for my clients and, and do the best I can to batten down the hatches. Look at opportunities. You know, we've we've been quoted for projects, and people have been cutting costs by 40 percent. And you know, it's a fool's it's a fool's errand, to be honest. You've just got to stick to your guns, and and you know, the, the jobs aren't coming in thick and fast. But you know, we're, we're lucky to work with great clients, and they've got great projects. So I think, you know, just to have a cool head and just look at the opportunities and pick and choose what, what works for you. I think we, we've got some great opportunities down under. We've also got some great opportunities here. We work with great partners. Yeah, I just think it's, it's more of the same. You can't worry about what if and what if. You've just got to get on and mm. you know, it's going to happen whether you worry about it or not, Chris. You know, you've just got, to, just got to make the best of it and worry about your own guys and not worry about the next one neighbours doing. But I want, I mean, what's your thoughts on that, that Stephen? Just uh... Yeah, I, I agree. I mean, I think, uh, you know, staff and volunteers are continually asking me, what are we going to do? What are we going to do? They, they, mm. they need answers and I'm giving them answers mm -hmm. as best as I can. You can't sit there and say, I just don't know. Mm. You've got to give your best answer. I mean, I'm mindful before lockdown, we were keeping our centre open. So we have a training centre, which is in Paddock Wood. And we have people coming from across West Kent physical mm. you know, disabled people actually physically coming into the center and we did keep it open for a few days before the the whole sort of uk lockdown
lockdown. And I had some staff who were saying to me, you know, do we, uh, why are we doing this? And I said, well, look, we've got PPE at that point. We'd already got PPE in place. Wow. We do, we're doing things carefully. And what about the impact on the people who, if they don't come in, mm. are going to be isolated at home? So for a couple of days, mm. we did keep that going. We had a few people who said, I'm not coming in, but we kept it going. And then lockdown happened. And I said, OK, yeah, I'm owning this now. You know, it, it is a U-turn to the best of my ability two days ago i made a judgment call and i had to make a judgment call on what i could see at that time now i can see some more information and yes now we've got to close and we'll have to migrate to to, to remote working so i had to you know i, I think that's one of the, the the things that i've really learned about leadership is not being afraid to to own your mistakes or, or own your bad judgments as well as your good judgments it's the fact that you're making judgments that's keeping yeah, you i think you Stephen, that, you know any decision is better than no decision mm. Um, and you can judge it in hindsight, but you know if you if you don't make a decision, nothing's going to get done. No. And I was just jotting some words down as both of you were speaking. And the first one I kind of jotted down was leadership, and and underneath that is there's bravery, flexibility, and decisiveness. I think um, I think that's right, Chris. I think you know the guys don't know what's going on. Just as Stephen said that his team doesn't know what's going on. We're just as much in the dark. We don't have the answers. I think mm. a, a, a good a uh, good sign of leadership is sharing your own concerns with the team without mm. without scaremonger or anything like this but just say no we don't, i don't know you know i'm just as in a vulnerable situation as you i think you know by being honest with people rather than putting on a brave face and and talking covid down for example or, or whatever you do i think that sort of you know you lead from the front, but you know, we're in it together, mm -hmm. I think. But I would never ask any of my team to do something I wouldn't be prepared to do myself. Yeah. And we are moving into a time when we are gradually returning to, to coming into the office. Mm. And I've said, well, I've been going into the office all the time through lockdown, sort of once or twice a week. I've said, okay, in October, I'll come in three days a week. For those who feel that they're able to do it, it'll be good if people can come in one or two days a week. But I'm not asking anybody to come in full time because mm. I, and I wouldn't want to do that. There are benefits from working at home, you know, albeit that I've said there's challenges about leading remotely. If you've got some time actually in the in the workspace with individuals, some time at home for more strategic thinking, or if I've got a big, uh, so many virtual gatherings and meetings now, some of those I can better do at home without other distractions, which I would just have if I'm in the office and people know that I'm in, in the office. So mm. um, it's getting that balance. And I think I was talking to a colleague earlier and, and, and she was saying to me, and I thought this is really, really interesting. She said that we are going through a period of uncertainty and sort of recalibration of what we do mm. and uh, and, I, and it's going to come to an end but that end point will not be the re where we were before mm. we started it's no. going to be a new uh, you know not new normal i don't like that expression but you know we're never going to get back what we what we remember from from a year ago we're going to mm. get into something settled which will be a new way of working a new way of living and if we can all embrace that and if we can ensure that people who might be excluded from that can, can, can access that and enjoy that, then we move on. And that's just that's, mm. that's how society has changed over the centuries, isn't it? You know, the various revolutions, industrial though, and others. So. Unfortunately, some people don't have the luxury of working from home. Um, mm. you know, some people mm. are out on the tools, for example. I mean, they've got to go out because... That's how they. That's how they feed their families. I mean, mm. we're we're really lucky that we can work the way we can. But yeah, I think I mean, it is it is a, a difficult land, a difficult and and different landscape, and it will be what it will be. With just with some of the things that we've spoken about before, with regards to the things that have come out, and both of you 
highlighted the leadership aspect not meaning to put a you know a brave face or a jolly hat on it but what what other lessons have you learned be it about your team be it about your service users be it about your abilities is, is there anything apart from the leadership side that, that each of you have discovered or, or I suppose the short question would be has any good come from this in terms of within your business or organization oh we're still here I mean it's a good thing <laughs> I mean but uh, I think all the guys have developed the communication skills I've had to develop my communication skills and also I think that People are always, it's not that they didn't check on each, in on each other regularly, uh, but I think even more important now um, mm. as a group of people that we, we communicate well together, we, we've got each other's backs and we just uh, check in that everyone, everyone's okay and, and their families and stuff like that. Communication is probably the winner out of for me. Stephen, how about yourself? What, yeah, I think, I think for me, one of the good things that's coming out of COVID actually is empathy for, for, for us as a cause and for what we're about. So as yeah. I've explained, you know, our services are helping people become digitally included, socially included. We're, we're, we're preventing loneliness and isolation. People who, who will often say to me, I'm trapped at home. The one day I can't come out to the Compaid Centre is the lifeline, the thing I look forward to. Mm -hmm. Now, pretty much everybody in the country has experienced looking at four walls 23 hours of the day and feeling, mm -hmm. when can I get out of here? So mm -hmm. that empathy about that barrier I think is much more, much keener now. And I think so too is the empathy about, as I explained earlier, about digital um, exclusion. And this is really why, literally I'm fighting people off with a big stick. I'm getting so many approaches from other organizations, both uh, housing associations, public health, uh, local authority, saying we've got a group of people here who are excluded because of this, this and this. We think you've got some expertise here. Can you help us? And we, we wouldn't have had that um, understanding about the issues and also the, the awareness of what we do as a charity without COVID. So, I mean, it sounds, sounds a, maybe a weird thing to say, but I can really see that being a long-term benefit. Well, what that, we've yeah. got to do as an organisation is see how can we monetize that? Yeah. Because ultimately we do need some money coming into the organisation to pay the staff and keep the, the show on the road. So, you know, as much as we'd love to do everything for free, we can't do that. So it's, it's trying to convert some of those opportunities now to something that we can say, okay, the value for money would be this. Therefore, if you invest that amount of money, we can deliver this amount of imp impact and outcomes for, for people that need it. So, I mean, how are people made aware? I mean, excuse my ignorance, but I mean, I hadn't heard of Compaid prior to us having this chat today. Um, how are people made aware of the charity and, and how can they help them? And, um, you know, I mean, you said you've got buses driving around with, uh, with a logo on the side, but I mean, yeah. how else do you, do you uh, how else do you market both your services to business and also your services to the community well that's a, that's a really really good question brand and we Thank don't you. do it Thank and I, I, I would answer that by saying we probably don't do that very well or certainly not as well as we well as well as we should i mean we've got all the usual sort of social media channels but they're not very active we don't use those very very well we are um a lot of our work actually comes from word of mouth so as i say mm. we're, we're supporting about 2000 people who regularly access one of our services they will introduce us if it's somebody in a in a um, supported living area uh, a, a center or unit 
they might say to another one of their neighbors and say, oh, I'm using Combay services for this, you know, come along. I do a great deal of work, or I have done a great deal of work um, before lockdown as chief executive about going out and talking to groups to, to sell what Combay is about and what the benefits of working with, with us are. And I've been doing a lot of that virtually since lockdown, attending Zoom uh, networking meetings. That's where a lot of these opportunities have come. I've, I've done delivered pres short presentations on what we do. And uh, I don't think there's been one of those presentations where I haven't had one or two people follow up afterwards say okay can I talk to you specifically about this uh, this issue mm. um, but what we're trying to do now is actually recruit more uh, staff and volunteers to support mm. the ongoing work that we think we're going to have in the in in the future because um, it really is a, a capacity issue but the government uh, the kickstart program they just announced we're we're looking to recruit two young people on the kickstart program as uh, young digital trainers but they'll get work experience and support mm -hmm. to, to move so that would expand our training team and also if we get younger people they're much keener they're more at the front face of, of technology and what it can do and we feel that there's expertise there that will help some of well, our um, service Stephen, users. and everyone wants to see granny on tiktok right so just just to start to draw us to a close i mean certainly from yourself there from what you said stephen so if there was anyone that kind of either had suggestions or resources that, that might be able to help you would want them to get in touch or what would be most useful for you as things are at the moment with regards to helping progress one of the things that we really would like, and I guess if people are listening to a podcast, they've got some uh, digital uh, experience. We're looking for more people with digital confidence who could be supporting some of our disabled people through remote support sessions. So that could be done over Zoom or, or TeamViewer, that sort of thing. So it could be helping somebody just learn how to use Facebook or set up an online account or where they can you know, have safely use the internet. It can be as prosaic as that. So we're looking to, to recruit more, more volunteers on that space. So um, I would encourage people who are interested to go to our website, which is uh, www.compay.org.uk. And then if you look for the working for us section, then there's all our opportunities for volunteering and also a few paid paid or positions that we're recruiting for at the moment as well that's brilliant. what do you do about sorry what do you do about tech we have um just secured some funding from barclays bank to to buy more devices and data plans which we're going to be distributing to households who don't have Good. devices and data at home yeah. Yeah. so yeah. we can do a lot more support for them once they've actually they're, they're, they're pulled up and home. they've got the connections yeah, so. yeah. yeah. That's cool. And just lastly, with regards to yourself, Brant, what sort of things are, are you looking for with respect to the business going forward? We, I mean, we, we offered a, an internship to a young guy from university earlier in the year. And unfortunately, that didn't come about because we're not here. The university came back to me and said, can you do his internship at home? And I went, it sort of defeats the purpose yeah, yeah. of the internship, if you know what I mean. So I'd love to, I'd love to have young people to come in. We're, we're always running sort of work experience for people. Uh, there's a lot of creative, creative youngsters out there that, you know, could find work. I mean, we've, we've put through a couple of people through internships and, and apprenticeships and they've gone on to do good things. I mean, there's a lot of great, great young talent out there. So um, always interested in seeing new talent. Thanks so much for, to, to, to both of you for your time. I, I think the key thing that, for me, has come out from the talks I've done so far is, is a, a different message for each. One was, was certainly about the communication with regards to clients and service users. And for yourselves, that, that the element that's come out more strongly is about the, the leadership for both of you. And I'll just say thank you to you, Stephen. Thank you to you, Brant. Thank you, Chris. Nice to meet uh, you. Thank you, guys. Yeah, nice to meet you. Good conversation. Great. And just to, just to draw things to a close, just to say to anyone listening, you can listen to all our episodes at anchor.fm as anchor as in the ship anchor. 
dot fm forward slash recover together and the to of together is replaced by a number two and you can find all the contact details for our guests there i'll post them all there for Stephen today and brant and we'll be releasing weekly episodes on monday mornings through september and october so please head over to anchor to listen to those and my name is chris murphy i'm saying goodbye thank you for your ears and hopefully it's been helpful for you and you'll listen to another episode thanks bye-bye <laughs>